This is React Podcast. I'm Chantastic. This is episode 80 of React Podcast. Today, we chat with Daria Caraway and learn how to build considerate React components with TypeScript. For the month of February, we're chatting exclusively with Reactathon speakers. You can hear more from Daria on this topic of developing considerate React components with TypeScript on the Reactathon stage this March. Reactathon is a top React conference in the heart of San Francisco. Daria and I will be there high fiving people and having a good time. Get your tickets at reactathon.com. Daria, welcome to React Podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. It's good to have you here. Um, so this is our first time meeting, but you have a talk coming up at Reactathon, and I am I'm super excited about it. Now, a lot of times we end up talking with people after they've given the talk, but we have the privilege of talking with you kind of like while the talk is still being formed, while it's it's fresh and new. So tell me a little bit about um, yourself and what that talk is about. Sure. Um, I'm Daria. I am a software engineer at Workday um, in Boulder, Colorado, and I am a full stack developer. I leaned towards the front end for quite a long time, and now I'm leaning towards more the back end. I kind of jump around wherever I'm needed. Uh, my talk is about building considerate React component APIs with TypeScript, and basically the thesis of the talk is that TypeScript as a tool is different than other statically typed languages in that like the actual browser and your actual computer doesn't care about TypeScript, right? Like at the end of the day, your TypeScript gets compiled down to JavaScript. The browser reads it like any other JavaScript. So really, it's a tool for humans and it's a tool for people. So how can we use TypeScript with that in mind to help other people instead of just like helping the compiler? That's interesting. I really like this idea of the verbiage that you use here, considerate React components with TypeScript, um, because I think that so often there is a mischaracterization uh, of typed languages that they're maybe like more technical or like more advanced um, but it sounds like the purpose of your talk is to remind people that this is actually it, it's actually primarily benefits the humans who are working on this code definitely i think typescript for me its biggest strength is that it's just a tool to communicate additional value to other people who are reading it um, so if you don't do if you don't use that tool with like compassion in mind and be con being considerate of the people who have to read your components and read your types, then you're not really helping anyone because, like I said, like the compiler doesn't really care what you're doing. The browser <laughs> yeah. doesn't really care what you're doing. So, yeah, it's mostly just about thinking of others when you're using TypeScript to just help help people who have to consume your code. Yeah, yeah, because like at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if it's you know it's Babel or like kind of artisanally handwritten. <laughs> compatible javascript or you know typed typescript um it's all it's all the same thing at the end of the day what are some reasons that you typically hear people talking about wanting to adopt typescript because it's been like a, a really hot topic over the last i don't know at least three years probably more definitely i think what I've seen the most as an argument for why you should adopt TypeScript is the fact that it gives you compile time type checks. It gives you compile time 
bug checking and you can get compile time errors and not have to wait for them to make it all the way to the browser. And I think all of those reasons are are good reasons also. Um, but I think sometimes when we focus on those reasons as the main reason to adopt TypeScript, we lose sight of the fact that like it also is there to help people. You get compile time, bug checking and error checking for me, it's 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 almost a bonus. Um, I like to I like to use it to just help people better understand what I'm doing. And the more people that use TypeScript, the more people create this this shared understanding of how mm-hmm. to reason about it and how to use it. And it just it grows from there as the community gets stronger as well. Now you mentioned um, compile time a couple couple times now. I know that that's a big difference between you know, like TypeScript and then also things like Flow, which were maybe like a handful of years ago, seemed a little bit more competitive in this space. Um, What is like, what's the primary difference kind of in mindset between those two technologies? Yeah, I've never actually used Flow all that in depth. I've always worked at companies that just use TypeScript as kind of like the de facto language. And and I was reading that for a long time, Flow was the front runner, especially when it came to React components. Yeah. And I, I think to my understanding, the difference is that Flow isn't isn't another language, right? Like you don't, the compiler doesn't compile Flow into JavaScript. All it does is just strip out all of the Flow that you've written gotcha. and check against it. Whereas TypeScript will actually, with Babel, compile down into JavaScript. And like it itself is another language. It has language features um, similar to ES6. Yeah, yeah. So what are some of the, uh, I guess, language features that are maybe new to like a JavaScript developer. So you're like, you know, you're coming from JavaScript and you hear about this TypeScript thing. Uh, Like what are some of the things that are not just like kind of next level features, like things that, that, um, you know, TC39, is that right? TC39, 39, I can never remember. Like not just the, not just the next JavaScript stuff, um, but stuff that's like specific to the language of TypeScript. That's an interesting question. I I think for the most part, TypeScript has, has always tried to keep parity with ES6. So any like great feature that you appreciate in JavaScript generally exists in TypeScript. Um, and that hasn't always been the case. For a long time, the company that I worked sure. at used CoffeeScript until ES6 came out and then didn't get onto TypeScript until TypeScript adopted some of the ES6 features. Um, but it, it's really quite an easy transition. I, I can't think of anything that stands out that I like use every day in TypeScript that wouldn't be available in JavaScript. Gotcha. So I know that over the last like handful of years, um, specifically with TypeScript, they've been working hard to work with the standards bodies and make sure that, that TypeScript really is kind of a, a true superset of of JavaScript. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like you said, like CopyScript had all these like different features that were never going to make it into the language. And so they felt kind of very disparate and they had to make totally. like a CopyScript 2 and whatnot. So, so obviously they've been working on 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 parity on that front, um, but there are additional features in the languages in, in the language that actually like provide the types. Definitely. So, what are what are some of those, and like what what is the way that a, a, a person, particularly one who's writing React, would interact with those most frequently? Yeah, I think um, if if I'm understanding what you mean like the actual typing of the language is definitely obviously the thing that doesn't exist in javascript um and i I think 
for me when especially when building react because react has this very like component componentized and modular mindset the the framework is built in such a way for you to easily make reusable components Hmm. um but at, at the end of the day like if you make a component and people can't immediately understand how to consume it and they choose not to reuse it then your component's not actually reusable right like another team might not be able to understand it. So they go off and they make their own component that kind of does the same thing. And like nobody has reusable components. We all just have our one our one instance of our component. And so I think TypeScript in regards to React can really aid in the ability to make components more reusable to people that aren't necessarily you and don't necessarily have all of the context that you had when you built the component itself. And so like the APIs for how you interact with the components when you type your props can add a lot of additional information that wouldn't necessarily be there if you were just using JavaScript. Interesting. So now I know that in in React, probably my first exposure to types was like in the very early versions of React when prop types were like built into, was built into React. Um, now, how does that, like what are the big differences for, you know, anyone who's familiar with prop types? Like, in kind of transitioning from, you know, prop types as this part of the library to now being part of a language? Yeah, I think that's that's a really interesting point. Um, prop types are basically a tool to do exactly the same thing that my talk is talking about, to build considerate React component APIs with TypeScript, right? Prop types give you a way to add additional information to your component's API that wouldn't be there without it um, and or without TypeScript. I think the additional benefit that you get with TypeScript is that those types can exist in Unity throughout your entire application. So hmm. the data that's coming into your component is coming from somewhere, whether that is like a hard-coded JSON file or you're getting it from the server. And if you're able to type them from the point at which they start, that that bug catching ability that comes through will feed all the way through your code and not just like when you enter a React component. Interesting. So like so so big difference is, is that that before it with prop types it was just kind of isolated to the React component. So like so you have a little bit of a guard, but they're just kind of standing at the gate of the component. Exactly. Whereas whereas with a typed language, you can actually like type um, like that that full data type. So like if you have a user object that you get from your you know json response like that you can actually have that type through the whole system so now other parts of your application you know whether they just be javascript or whatever now know what that thing is exactly yeah and i think a lot of web is communicating with a server or communicating with some external place that you don't necessarily have control over so being able to type your objects as soon as you have control over them and feed them through the entire system just gives you another level of like especially when you're coming into the code it makes the code a lot more reasonable because you don't Hmm. just have to like understand the components in isolation you can understand what objects are flowing through in the actual data model of the entire application interesting so now what is the like so what's the language construct for that like, is it like, what, what What do you call those in TypeScript? That's a good question. Or like what, uh, sorry, like what, what do you use um, in TypeScript to actually like create those things in a shareable way? Like, is it just like an object or how does that all work? Gotcha. Um, so it can work in a couple different ways. I think a lot of times when you're consuming third-party libraries, they'll create typings files for you basically. So you can ingest those typing files and... Um, run them through like your TypeScript compiler so TypeScript can understand it. The other way is like 
so when it comes to React components, especially that you're building, um, I like to use like interfaces. And so I, I guess I'm not totally sure what you're asking, but oh, sorry. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I think that the interfaces sounds, it sounds about right. Okay. Because um, that's like something that you can share between, uh, like between things. <laughs> totally. Like code, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So you can basically like you write your types as code and in very similar to any other type language, you can TypeScript has this concept of types. So you can actually create a declared type. Um, you also have things like interfaces to help you create like um, the contract for what a particular object will be. Okay. Um, and then you have like all of your more primitive types like strings and and numbers, I guess, is an interesting primitive type. But um, and you can use these primitive types to build up like object types, and they don't always have to be interfaces. But I, I like using interfaces because it allows you to share them very easily throughout different parts of your code. Interesting, interesting. So there's mechanisms in place where you could be able to just kind of put that stuff, like I guess, in line for a back, lack of better term, like right in your component as if they were prop types. But if you want those advantages that you were talking about before defining interfaces allows you to say like this function expects this interface and this component expects this interface and etc definitely yeah you can type everything in line um and and that can be useful and like all primitive types for the most part are usually typed in line but if you have like a more complex object and you're trying to communicate what exactly is held inside of that object and it's being passed through a type you can either create a type for that object, or you can use interfaces. And sometimes I see them used interchangeably as well. Interesting. Now, this might be a, a dumb question, but like, if, let's say you have an interface for some clump of data that you get in JSON, right? Mm -hmm. Now, when you're writing your components, do they need to know about every single piece of that interface? Or can you have an interface and it just implements part of that interface? Yeah, so um, TypeScript does have like um, inheritance of okay. sorts. So you can like compose React components by having um, like a base interface that inherits from another interface. Um, similarly, that similar to what you can do with like classes, um, but you can. There, TypeScript also has a lot of kind of unique features that are different that I've seen to most statically typed languages because it's all kind of made up, if that makes sense. Like it's all <laughs> sitting on top of JavaScript. It has a lot of um, what they call advanced or utility types that allow you to more specifically type JavaScript objects. So for example, okay. um, if you have an interface that represents a JavaScript object, you can use um, a type called partial that indicates that the type that you're passing through to the React component is just a piece of this particular interface. And and partial is a little bit, it doesn't always communicate great things to the people consuming them because it doesn't tell you which parts of the object are being passed through. Sure. So that's, that's kind of one of those situations where like the compiler is going to pass, but you're not really helping anyone because all you've told the consumer is that it's probably some set of this set of properties and like some of them might not be required but i'm not telling you which ones um so typescript also has some utility types that allows you to better define define types in that situation for example they have a pick type so you can say this object is what i'm going to say a pick of this other object and it it only has 
this property, this property, and this property. Oh, fascinating. So you're like explicitly telling the consumer that it's a subset of this object, but here are the properties that it's going to have. Um, So you can use these advanced types in a way that doesn't exist that I've seen in like a Java or a C++. Sure. Um, But at the same time, you can also use them to get yourself in a little bit of trouble where like, again, the compiler will compile, uh, but you're not, you're not, providing any additional useful information to the consumer. Yeah, and that it's interesting that you mentioned that because it seems like one of the reasons that types kind of got a bad rap is because of Java, 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 Java that, <laughs> <laughs> Java and um and kind of how like strict or aggressive it was about the type system. But it, it sounds like because of that relationship between TypeScript and JavaScript, which is an extremely fuzzy language, mm-hmm. um, that they've they've allowed you some affordances to still like type, but maybe allow you to kind of have some squishy boundaries around those types. Yeah, that, that's something really interesting to point out. Um, TypeScript can be as strict or as fuzzy as you want it to be, and and so this is another aspect of why I think it's a tool driven towards humans is that if you don't have a shared understanding of like how strict you are or how fuzzy you are, you're not really like adding value. If another person can't immediately identify what you were trying to like what your intention was with the typing Um, TypeScript allows you to do things like type it as any. So um, which basically just means I don't care what type this is treat it as anything. You can assign it as anything. You can change it. It doesn't really matter to me. Um, And and it's interesting for me because I think in some cases, um, I, I, I treat TypeScript a little bit like documentation in that there's that saying that like bad documentation or wrong documentation is worse than no documentation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I feel kind of similarly about TypeScript because if you have like a type that's wrong in some cases or like quote unquote bad, it can be very misleading to someone who is like responsible for debugging your code or refactoring mm-hmm. your code. It can take you down this path that that makes no sense because you're expecting the type to be one thing, but in reality it's not. And so any is kind of this way. And they also have um, this idea of an unknown type. So there are, there are a lot of ways to get around the fact that JavaScript isn't made for this. But if you use it to your advantage and use it in a way that still adds additional information, um, I, I think that it's still useful, whether or not you have super strict lines or kind of fuzzy lines. So now any or unknown would be similar to just like what JavaScript is by default, right? Right. So any is basically default JavaScript. Unknown is a little bit different in that unknown properties can only be assigned to other unknown properties. So you're not saying this can be anything and you can change it to anything. You're saying, I don't know what this is, but it probably is the same thing elsewhere as well. Interesting. Now, you mentioned a lot about the the consideration of, of of this way of developing and how you're able to communicate a lot um, without having to, you know, maintain docs, without you... Uh, kind of consumers of your components having to find and read docs. What is the experience of this? And like, where does that information, how does that information get surfaced to a developer? Yeah. um, 
yeah, it's very similar to documentation that like has to be updated because if it's not, a lot of times the code won't compile. So you Mm. don't run into that problem where like the docs are out of date. Um, It it can still happen again because the lines are pretty fuzzy and you can like trick TypeScript into thinking it's working. Um, But you are forced to keep it more up to date. And where I find this super, super useful is if you're consuming a third party library or you're consuming components that were built by another team, I don't have to go into the documentation and read about how to use it. I don't have to go into their code necessarily and read about like, what are the props? How does the component use it so that it can inform like what types of inputs I can pass to it? I can use my IDE to command click into the object and just see right in my IDE, right in my code, um, like what the component is expecting from me. Are there, um, I I know that VS Code famously has like really good TypeScript support because it's like kind of built into their whole editor experience. And obviously they, they do both, they create both. Um, But what is editor support like kind of across the ecosystem? Are there some editors that have better TypeScript support than others? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think I'm I'm one of the few web developers that I've ever met that actually doesn't use VS Code. <laughs> nice. I, I think it's it's because uh, I also work with like Java backend, so I use WebStorm because it's a, it's a familiar interface to like when I have to develop in Kotlin or in Java. Um, and the TypeScript support in WebStorm also is is phenomenal. I've never run into anything weird where my IDE like couldn't understand what was going on. Um, and it's funny too, because for a long time I worked in a code base that was in the middle of transitioning to TypeScript. Mm. And once you get used to the ability of like command clicking to the place and it just taking you there and having like all of the (laughs) expectations when you're in like the plain es6 files in the same code base it's super frustrating when you like command click and it takes you to the top of the file because it doesn't know where it's coming from um it, it adds a lot of kind of developer benefit that that you don't necessarily realize until you're you're used to it yeah, it's so true. You know, there's there's constantly conversations happening about how to like organize your files so you can like find them easier or whatever. And I always feel kind of separated from that whole discussion because like using using languages that are typed or, you know, even not but using like VS Code which has kind of an intrinsic sense of these things. Like I just jump to the like jump to the definition right. from where I'm using it. Like I I don't ever fuzzy try to find <laughs> files based on their maybe their name or not right yeah exactly okay so so uh vs code has great support um it sounds like um webstorm was it yeah nice so so you mentioned kotlin have you been using a lot of um typed languages through your career um yeah i would say so i have like a traditional computer science background and the first language i ever learned was c plus plus oh nice um and all of the languages I learned throughout college were all typed. We learned C++ and then we learned Java and then we learned C. And it wasn't until I started working at an internship where I started using CoffeeScript. So to me, like the idea of not having things typed was very unfamiliar and a a bit, not frustrating, but kind of like you're in the wild west, I guess, like anything goes and if it's broken, it's all your fault, but you might not find out till later. Um, so yeah, I have I have experience with other typed languages and our, our service that I work on on the back end is, is in Kotlin, like I mentioned. So I think for me coming from that background, TypeScript is is a pretty easy leap. Um, but TypeScript, like I like I said before, also has a lot of kind of different features about it that are inherent inherently um, 
because of the fact that it, it sits as a superset of JavaScript. Sure. So if you come in from like a strictly type language background, you might also be a little confused because things aren't going to work how you think they work. Interesting. Um, you, you can get yourself into these pitfalls where your your code compiles and in Kotlin, that's like a pretty good indication that what you've done is right. And that's not you're necessarily... Good to go. <laughs> yeah, you're good to go. Um, there might be a runtime error, but probably not. Uh, and that is like definitely not the case with TypeScript. So again, you have to be more mindful of like the human aspect of TypeScript to really take advantage of it. Interesting. Now, I know that there's a lot of... You mentioned uh, kind of reusable components, and I'm sure that there's probably reusable types as well. Um, how does this work, you know, if, if you're you're in a React code base and you want to start progressively adding some React, are there kind of like reusable types for common patterns like, you know, like render props or like higher order components or things of that nature? Or is that something you kind of have to figure out, you know, as you go along? Um, React in itself, when you're using the typings provided, is is pretty straightforward. Um, you can actually something that I think is really cool with React and like the the language of it is um, when you use the children prop coming off of like that React just gives to you. Um, y- you can type out your children. So even though like it's kind of a cool way to say if you pass me this child like i'm a menu component so i know all of my children have to be like of type menu list okay um and so you can you can take advantage of like react features and add on this additional layer of typescript um as far as making them reusable i'm not really sure like there's no library that i know of that just has like TypeScript types that you can take because it's usually fairly straightforward and it's usually just up to whatever data model you've built. So you can definitely reuse those patterns throughout your your own code base. In your experience, what is um, like what's the ecosystem and the community like in in TypeScript versus or I guess just in general? How's it? How's that community and how well are they doing at supporting um, other developers um, using TypeScript? Yeah, uh, the TypeScript community is is pretty awesome. Um, it for a long time I didn't realize that like not everyone was using TypeScript because as far as I was concerned, everything I ever had to do was fully supported. Um, and it, it tends to change between frameworks. So Angular, for example, um, is built with TypeScript, and so everything within the language is like has type typing and TypeScript as like a first class citizen. Um, React is a little bit different because the the community isn't all sold on TypeScript yet, right? So there are definitely situations that you can get in where you want to consume a third party library, um, but the library owner is not supporting the type definitions for it. Mm. There's um, a package on NPM called Definitely Typed, which is just the place where the TypeScript community puts typings for third-party libraries. So even if a library owner isn't supporting the type definitions, there's usually somebody else who is indefinitely typed, or maybe that's you because you really care about this library and you want Hmm. to make sure the typings are up to date. Um, But that's definitely something else to keep in mind when you're thinking about converting to TypeScript. If you're using a lot of packages that don't have great TypeScript support, you're going to lose type safety when you go from like the boundary from their package to your package. Um, huh. It doesn't mean that you can't also use typings and you're free to create typings for those third-party libraries that don't necessarily have them. But you do have to be aware that you're going to lose like some some piece of type safety when you're moving from that library to yours. 
Interesting. So if I wanted to use a package that didn't have types and they weren't on definitely typed, let's say it's like a really small package that like nobody knows about, but I really like it. Um, what are my, so my option, my first option is like, I can still use it. I can still consume it, but I kind of, it's, it's questionable. That part of my code is questionable. Um, is it possible to write interfaces of my own just inside my code yeah. that would allow me to use that in a safer way? Totally. So you can create your own typings file for any code in your code base. So even if it's in NPM, you can tell TypeScript to go and look for the typings for this particular package in this particular location. And that location is in your own code base. And you've you've determined yourself to keep it up to date with with the with the releases, right? Um, that's totally possible. And it, it's I've definitely done it before because you want to use a really cool select library, but they don't have typings, but you're not going to write your own select library because they don't have typings. So you you tend to write your own typings for the pieces of the library that you care about, okay. the pieces that you're going to interface with, because you don't have to type the entire library when you're not using like feature X and Y. Um, but one of the downsides of doing so is that if the owner were to ever publish a new version that like completely changes the interface um, and you're still using your own typings, uh, they're not going to be right, right? And they might be a little bit misleading. So you have to be aware of that if you are maintaining your own types for, for another library. Because if, if it was your code, then you would have, you would know right away, right? But as far as TypeScript's concerned, it's going to compile because it's like, oh yeah, you defined the types and you're using those types. And like it doesn't, it has no way of knowing what's yeah. underneath. Exactly. Uh, once you once you start interfacing with JavaScript, um, TypeScript does its best to guess for what you've provided it. But at that point, you, you've you've told the TypeScript compiler what to expect. So if if those are wrong, like it doesn't know any better because again, the computer doesn't care, right? Like it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just gonna do what you tell it to do. <laughs> That's awesome. So now I know that there's a lot of. Um, I guess, like, different ideas in the front-end space. Like, there's a lot of um, languages that are specifically, like, languages for constructing UI. And one thing I'm always kind of curious is, like, what are some of the advantages of TypeScript as a language in that space? Like, where you have other languages that are just, like, like I guess, like, Elm. And then I know that there's, like, a lot of work being done by Facebook and Reason, which are, like, specifically, like, UI framework languages. Like, What's going to be the biggest benefit um, to using choosing something like TypeScript? I think the biggest benefit is that you still get to take advantage of the JavaScript community because they've created themselves as a superset of JavaScript. There's so many resources out there. There's so many libraries out there. The React community, for example, is so big in JavaScript. You you get to take advantage of all of that and then just also provide this additional layer that that can probably help other people along the way. Um, it, it's not like you go to TypeScript and like all of a sudden everything in the JavaScript realm is completely useless. Um, you get to use it. <laughs> and, and like we said, even if it isn't supporting TypeScript, you can still choose to use it if it's super important to you. It's kind of like a, a choose your own adventure of sorts when it comes to TypeScript. That's awesome. Are there any like... Are there any drawbacks, I guess, in your experience? Because it sounds like it's it's fairly progressive. Like you can you know, kind of use it as much or as little as you need. You get the benefit of it sitting right on top of JavaScript. And, you know, there's there's a huge community around it supporting types. Um, it sounds like all positives to me. <laughs> uh, but what are some of the drawbacks that people experience? 
Yeah, I think a lot of the drawbacks that I've seen is when you have that mindset that everything is positive and just because you use TypeScript, all of your code is just like magically going to be perfect and better. Um, And that's absolutely not true. Um, you still have to you still have to use it as a tool and think about how you're using that tool. Think about um, what you're saying when you use that tool. And and if you're using the compiler as a standard of like what's good and what works, you're gonna miss the human standard of all of the other people that have to read your code. So you really have to approach it with this mindset of like, oh, we added types, now everything is just perfect and we don't have any bugs anymore. <laughs> um, shift that mindset to like, how can we just use this tool to make things a little bit better? Um, and I think if, if you're on a team where not everyone has like bought into the idea to the point where they're just using types to make the compiler happy, it, it you've almost fallen into that trap where uh, it might be worse because it's super misleading and and you waste a lot of time trying to like reconcile the differences between what's sure. reality and what's happening in TypeScript. And I, I think too, you can you can kind of catch yourself when you start to fall into this pit. Like I, I think all TypeScript devs have probably had this moment and can relate where like you're really stuck on something and you just can't get it to work in TypeScript. And for whatever reason in that moment, like you don't understand what's happening and you can't get the TypeScript compiler to be happy. So you do something and the compiler compiles and like you have this feeling that you've tricked the compiler into working (laughs) and you can like move on and you're like superior because you like tricked the computer into doing what you want. Um, When in reality, like all you've done is trick yourself and like whoever (laughs) has to come after you to read this code. So there's there's definitely drawbacks, but I think in my experience, they're almost always drawbacks that we create for ourselves. Interesting. Now, in terms of integration, um, is it is it fairly easy with today's tool set to like I guess just integrate this with Babel or to like swap out Babel for you know TypeScript compiler? Um, is it pretty easy these days? Yeah. Um... If you're using Webpack, which I I think most people probably are, um, you can just use all of the plugins to get your TypeScript to compile down into JavaScript. Um, It's another step if somehow you're like a lucky person who gets to write JavaScript that just runs as what it is. Um, I don't think that's necessarily true for a lot of people anymore because a lot of people are compiling down to ES5. Like there's a lot of people in the web community have this like conversion already happening. So it's just another another step for it to compile down into JavaScript from TypeScript. Nice. Now, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit about another talk that you've done, which is, is um, I'm glad that you gave it. I was actually really happy to watch it oh, thank <laughs> um, you. this week um, because it, it's something that I feel like has been like this like process uh, in the back of my head. I'm like, man, that'd be a cool thing to talk about. And you gave the talk. I can't remember, man, the, the name of it escapes me right now, but you can tell me. But it's about like kind of like dating front-end frameworks. Yeah. And like you, you draw this amazing analogy about like dating and breakups and relationships um, with the tools that you use to build your app. Could you remind me of the title? Yeah, it's called How to Have an Amicable Breakup with a JavaScript Library. <laughs> That's right. It's so good. <laughs> so how did... um. How did you come to want to give this talk? Like, what was the experience that brought you to that that talk? Yeah, um, I 
have spent most of my career um, at companies that are kind of in an intermediary phase where they're either converting from JavaScript to TypeScript, they're converting from AngularJS to Angular, they're converting from AngularJS to React. Like, I, I think this is this is true for a lot of the community because things happen so quickly. Um, and I was I was on a team and we were writing um, a, a whole new set of code in, in Angular 2, and we were converting it from AngularJS. And we decided that there were all of these components out there. There's so many third-party libraries. There's so many, like, options. You need a select. Well, there's, like, 15 select libraries, <laughs> yeah. and they're all kind of similar, but, like, a little bit different. Um, we needed a table, and there was, like, 20 table libraries, and we had to somehow figure out how they're different why they're useful to us and and like half the time you pick one and then six months later you have to throw it away because you made a terrible decision and like something <laughs> is wrong with the component that you chose um and so our, our team developed this this idea and it's not a new idea it's a very common uh design pattern that is like thoroughly used throughout throughout programming but this idea if we wrap the libraries and we expose only the interface that our components and our um, our code cares about when we are six months down the road and like our lives suck because we made a terrible decision on some table um, we can just switch it and as long as we don't touch the wrapper that we wrote that interfaces with our code like everything just works and I think I thought that was really powerful and and I went to a new company and a lot of teams weren't doing this we have our own design system called Canvas Kit at Workday. And so all these teams are writing React and they're integrating with Canvas Kit and Canvas Kit is, is in production, like currently being developed. So a lot of things are changing. So even if you're using like an internal library, things tend to change and yeah. you, you don't want to be that, that application that's stuck in an old version because you have to go and update uh, 200 buttons, for example. <laughs> um, and you don't want to be that person that has to sell to your product owner, like, hey, it's going to take me two weeks to change the buttons to be yeah. different buttons. They, they do the same thing, but they're just like a little bit different. Um, and so, yeah, I've been bit by this a lot. And this wrapper concept of being able to quickly switch out your libraries um, and like dump them essentially because it happens all the time. Uh, it, it's been really useful. So I just I just wanted to share it with people because I think it can save a lot of people a lot of time. Yeah, you know, you touch on a concept there that I think a lot of people overlook when they're talking about designing their you know, design system or using an open source framework like you know Material UI or all that kind of stuff that they don't realize that they're giving up power by opting into that, right? Like, totally. you know, when you write it yourself, like you have complete control over that thing. And when you use a framework, it's like now you have to open up a pull request and like pray that the de developer who is the only person who can actually merge a pull request like right. isn't in, in Hawaii for the next six months. <laughs> right. <laughs> and even internally, you know, if you have multiple teams using a design framework, um, it's still subject to their decision-making process. And so... This idea that you're talking about of, of of wrapping components and kind of creating your own minimal interface for it um, is super important. Definitely, and and it doesn't even have to be big changes, right? Like, it, I've seen it happen where they're like, "We don't want to call this input um, 
label we want to call it description right so then they (laughs) they change like the value or the name of the thing that you're passing in and maybe you had like put that in an object to pass in as props um you now have to go and like update this one word to be a slightly different word um and it's just a huge pain so if you can separate yourself from all of that and again like what you said like give empower yourself to have control of what your code is interacting with um it can be it can be really helpful yeah do you feel like that improves the i guess way that people think about interfacing with other code in general um when they can kind of get this concept of 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 wrapping into their head yeah i think so it uh, I think at the end of my talk, it's, I say that it makes the breakups less painful or something like <laughs> it, it, it really does free you. Um, and it decouples like the library's opinions from what you want it to be. Not only are you free to change the library at will, but if they're using like um, an input pattern for their props that you're not using throughout the rest of your code, it can be really sporadic to be using that in your code because you're using this third party library that's like dictating how you pass data into the component Mm. and when you create this wrapper like you can unify all of your components third party or internally to have a similar a similar interface Um, that's actually kind of where my talk for reactathon came from is i I had this talk about how you can build these wrapper components to protect you from javascript library breakups but how can we on the other side of that author those wrapper component interfaces in a way that is useful for everyone so that's kind of where the the considerate react component apis talk came from i love that yeah and it's like so often you see this where like in a component design like it might require some value and i think this is kind of maybe what you're talking about it might require some value but like for you and your project that's always true right and so like why always send that in if it's always going to be true and so you can kind of like say like oh it is always true and then like we don't even accept that as a prop anymore exactly yeah maybe you're using a a button that has like 15 different states but your application only ever has like one or two states there's no reason for every developer to have to go and understand what the 15 states are so that they can (laughs) pass in like the same state you're using throughout your application Um, and it also works like uh, for for other types of design patterns. So my example in the talk in in regards to React was some components take inputs as props and some components take inputs as children. Mm. And if you're if you're favoring one version over the other, but all of a sudden you're using this library everywhere that does it this other way, um, now you're just like mixing people's opinions throughout your code and they're not even your own opinions, which makes it even more frustrating. <laughs> so it's actually, so it sounds like a way where you can actually reduce documentation. You can kind of go to like where the team is and instead of having to produce more documentation about mapping, you're just like, we're just going to cut these concerns out because we don't even think about them. Right. Yeah, definitely. You can isolate what your what your application actually needs and not worry about the 200 other like <laughs> use cases that was built into this library because so many other people are using it and just use it for your one use case. And it kind of helps with like des- decision fatigue, like your developers using it don't have to figure out all the different things when they, they just want it to look like all of the other ones that you're using. Yeah, yeah. Do you find that it's important to have that that's a shared responsibility when you're bringing in a library? Or is it good to have someone who's kind of in charge of the connective tissue between your application and like the world at large? 
I, I've personally found that if, if your whole team isn't like on board with this pattern, um, then it, it doesn't always work out, right? Because lots of people are bringing in different third-party libraries for different reasons. If you're not all on board with this wrapper pattern, like you have it some places, you don't have it other places, it to me, different types of code is almost worse than like one type of less desirable code. Hmm. Um, so I, I've seen it be successful when an entire team is working together to build these interfaces for whatever libraries you have to interface with. Um, and even if you're just using one library, but you're pulling in different components, you don't want to have to have one person who's responsible for like pulling in all of those components when yeah. developer B just needs like an air box or something. Yeah. I heard, I've heard this, um, this, concept of wrapping also described as spooning a library Ooh. so <laughs> so we're, cu we're accustomed to like forking a library but like you can you can spoon a library you just kind of like you just like wrap around it a little bit which yeah. I, I thought was like a great visual illustration of like what you're doing you're like that's awesome <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly what it is <laughs> now one thing that i really liked um in, in in that talk was the idea of um of speed dating uh, could you tell me uh, about that concept and the benefits of that? Because I thought that was so well put. Thank you. Um, yeah, so speed dating in, in my mind is when you your, you or your team, you've decided that you need a third-party library of some sort. Um, the first time I used this speed dating concept it was actually that same grid component or like a table component that we needed. And, and there was 20 grids and... Um, they all tell you that they're the best grid because they want you to use your grid, um, especially like in the Angular community, a lot of the components are in libraries that you pay for. So they're all telling you that they're the best grid because they want you to use it. This is less so with the React community because it's a little bit more like open sourced. Um, but uh, our our team had an idea to just basically speed date all of the all of the grids. So we loaded them into their own like as an individual framework into, um, it wasn't storyboard, but you could definitely use storyboard to speed date. That's something that's popular with React right now. And like isolate it in, you could use it in storyboard, but you could also just plug it into your application. And because you have this wrapper, you should be able to plug them in um, really quickly and just like get to know each library a little bit, get to know like, is it going to be performant enough when I dump in 2000 results or... <laughs> Um, does it have like the CSS, uh, theming capabilities that we want because we want it to look like our grid, not somebody else's grid. Right. And it just gives you the opportunity to, to learn about it. Um, and I call it speed dating cause it does feel like that. Like sometimes at the end you're like, this isn't the one and, and you dump it away. Um, but it, it can help with like future breakups cause you've, you've done a little bit of work up front to verify that it's going to meet your needs. Yeah, and that particularly was something that I really liked was the idea of of doing that exploratory work to f to actually flesh out what you need it to do because you may think that like you may think you know what you want, but like this actually exposes like oh actually I care about this more and I'm willing to sacrifice these other things in order to have that thing. Definitely, yeah, and um, it, it just it helps with like we've all picked a library and we're like, it's the best one. Like what could possibly go wrong? And then like less than a month later, you're like, yeah. this was a terrible idea. We have to pull the entire thing out now and start all over. So ideally, like if you sample enough dates, if you will, um, you can get a better idea for which one you can, you can have a long-term relationship with. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because I think like a lot of the, the, I guess, JavaScript fatigue is, is self-induced, but also, 
you know, things move so fast, um, including our products. Like, it could be that, like, a month down the road, you have a new constraint that, like, wasn't even on the table, like, 30 days ago. And, like, now you're like, oh, crap, well, we should have gone with the other one because that actually had that thing that we need. Yeah, that happens all the time. Yeah, and so it sounds like this allows you to kind of, I guess, in the same way that, that interfaces and types allow you to define what your expectations are creating these wrappers kind of allows you to do the same thing with components we say like this is the interface that we need and um you know like whatever we use under the hood like that's that's just implementation details definitely yeah i I think the the two topics for these two talks um to me kind of go hand in hand um these wrappers i've found to be like much more useful when you're using typescript because you can create considerate component apis that the rest of your team can immediately understand and if you've created this like common sense of understanding of how you want to use typescript with your team it's so much more valuable you have control of these wrappers you have control of how your team has agreed to use typescript and it just adds so much more um, useful useful information to make decisions about when you're using those components. Well, I love it. Thank you so much for sharing your wealth of knowledge about types <laughs> and defining interfaces around components and, and the kind of practical aspects of that work. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with us as we wrap up? I don't think so. Uh, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so excited. It's my pleasure. And I am, I mean, I loved your last talk so much. We're definitely going to link that in the show notes. Uh, I cannot wait for this one. I'm sure it's going to be be amazing. So how can people find you on the internet to uh, kind of get these, uh, these nuggets of wisdom as uh, you kind of discover them yourself? Yeah, I'm pretty new to the internet as a human, um, like not in my life, but as a speaker and as someone who goes on podcasts. So you can follow me on Twitter at Daria Caraway. Um, I don't post a whole ton, but I'm also trying to write more blog posts. And if you go to DariaCaraway.com, I should have some blog posts up there. Awesome. Well, it was a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for your time today, Daria. Thank you so much. This was super fun. For links and show notes, visit reactpodcast.com slash 80. If you like this show, there's a fast, free way to demonstrate your support. Leave us a review on iTunes. It's the best way for you to let me know what you think we're doing right and what we can improve. Two to three minutes of your time helps us make the best show we possibly can. As always, links and show notes for all episodes are available at reactpodcast.com. This episode was edited by Mikhail Delport. It was produced by Mikhail Delport and Sarah Jackson at Spec, a network to help you level up in design and development. Check out spec.fm for other shows that are sure to fast track your career. I'm your friend, Chantastic. Thanks for listening. We'll be in your ears again next week. Thank you.